All right, it's the Thompson to Clark podcast. That is not Brad. That is my friend Jeremy Finestone. He is substituting for Brad today. Brad is in Hawaii. We're going to call Brad the Big Kahuna. And if you want to know what Brad is doing right now, that's what Brad is doing right now. Hanging out, hang hang loose. He's wearing his Beat LA mask, which is great. I was wearing mine today. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Brad's got big shoes to fill. I bought some socks, but maybe that'll do the trick. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, you know, Brad and I have the, the the segment where we talk about what we're drinking, X, Y, and Z. I didn't want to put that on you, but I did. I did pour something that might be related to you because people don't know this, but Jeremy works at Trader Joe's, and. I got something that maybe they would only sell at places like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, which is hard kombucha. Oh, yeah. Did you guys sell this? Uh, Not that one, but uh, all over the place. They sell a bunch of different regional kombuchas, and there are people that come in hunting for their hard kombucha. (laughs) It's it's a big thing. It's pretty tasty. I'll give it to them. It's tasty. I planned on uh, just showing you my pedestrian Sprite Zero. <laughs> there you go. That works. Hey, man. That works. Yeah. Hey, I got to keep refreshed, man. <laughs> keep it loose. Okay. So um, what we're going to do today is we're going to... The last time we did a podcast, it was with Ash Day, and that was like over a week ago because we did it on the weekend before Brad left. But uh, next week, we're going to be dark. We're not going to have a show because Brad will just be coming back. I am actually then going to Hawaii, and so I'll be gone eight days, and what happens is that when I come back, it'll be midweek, and so Brad and I will have to figure out midweek whether or not to record. I want to because the trade deadline will have already happened. We'll have played another series against the Dodgers, so I'm hopeful that we can figure it out, but... I don't, and I also don't want to go dark for two weeks in a row. So I think this is going to be the only week next week that we won't have a show. But otherwise, we should be here uh, every week after that for the rest of the season. And again, Jeremy Finestone, he's going to be with us for this show. And let's get to the intro music and kick off this show. Bedrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting and pumped on in. The Giants have won. For our podcast listeners, obviously you couldn't see the photo of Brad that I shared on our on our uh, video feed. But go to Thompson to Clark's Twitter page, and you could see our replies. Brad tweeted from the Thompson to Clark Twitter to his own Twitter, so that I think so that he could retweet a bunch of stuff. But if you want to see what Brad's doing, hanging out, uh, check out the Twitter page. But okay, Jeremy, so. This is a, a very busy upcoming week, and we're going to get to all of the stuff. But I wanted to know um, what your thoughts were on the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. And the reason is because you and I did something for um, our Fight Game podcast, uh, Fight Game Media, actually, YouTube channel that was on the Home Run Derby, which was really fun because we got to watch the whole first round. But the reason I asked this question is because the All-Star Game and the Derby – were up in viewers from last year or from 2019. And the big marketing campaign was around Shohei Otani and to a lesser extent, some of the younger players 
Soto, Tatis, guys like that. Unfortunately, it would have been Acuna Jr. as well, but he he got hurt. But did what you saw from the home run derby, and if you caught any of the All Star game, did it feel in any way to you? like Major League Baseball was taking advantage of the great young talent in promoting these two big events. I think that that was their sole driving focus through the whole thing was the need to drive the audience experience behind the players that the audience are connecting to, the show highs, Fernando Tatis, Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, they all had these noteworthy moments. Pete Alonso, he's three years into the league. We talked about him all the time. We said of the fact that he's still a young guy making the league minimum, making more money off of the home run derby than he is <laughs> for the entire season this year. Yeah. So I think if the goal was to drive the youth movement, they hit they hit a grand slam, I'd have to say. <laughs> did did um, it yeah. make you want to watch the All-Star game? Uh, I did not catch the All-Star game live because of some other reasons, but I made a point to watch it, and I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through the whole game, I'll be honest with you. And the more I was watching it, I didn't. Re- I knew what the score was, and it was like it ended up being 5-2, to two, but I wasn't locked in on that. So when I was watching it, uh, I was I was surprised by the Vladimir Guerrero home run and some mm-hmm. of the plays that happened. A little disappointed that uh, Crawford had a little bobble in the middle of the game. Stuff like that that, uh, you know, you have to see it and, and kind of feel it. And uh, it felt like a really fun home run derby. I heard an interesting stat that said it was 42 first-time entrants of all-star candidates into the game, and eight of them were under the age of 25. Eight of them were starting. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah, it is a fantastic stat that they uh, mentioned when it just came to the amount of youth coming to the game and how that's going to drive a fan experience that is getting younger and younger in a game that, you know, some people are saying is aging out in a way. Yeah, and, and you don't, you know, you want that to be the story. The young talent and hopefully some of the teams with the young talent the Padres are, are, are doing very well. Um, the Dodgers have several pieces of young talent, maybe not the ones that everyone is talking about. Um, and, uh, you know, the Giants are, we're waiting for that young talent to come mm-hmm. through. And I'm, I'm going to go see them in San Jose on Thursday. So I'm going to see the San Jose Giants on Thursday. Uh, Marco Luciano, uh, Luis Matos, guys like that. Uh, Patrick Bailey is there, but he's... He's not hitting very well at all. I don't know if I don't. I don't imagine Kyle Harrison is going to pitch, but I might get lucky if he is. But I want to see the young guys because you know they're right there in San Jose. I'm 15 minutes away from Muni, as we used to call it, uh, and so it'll be fun. It'll be fun to check it out because I, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of jealous. All these teams have these really good young players, and I'm like. I know Ramos is coming at some point, but when, you know, it's that kind of thing. Because I want those guys to be on that big stage too, and I'm hopeful that one or two of them can be. The uh, the need for the shiny new toy, as it were. Um, there is a lot of envy to be had watching all these other teams with their their big superstars that, you know, we tried to get Otani. Uh, we, we were definitely in the running for yeah, that. for sure. And it'd be really interesting to think about what kind of team we would be if we had him right now uh you know like the 
we definitely probably would have had the same kind of last two seasons if his injury track record would have gone the same, but that really wouldn't have changed our trajectory. But would we be better this year? Would we be the same? That's a really interesting, uh, like, hypothetical to throw out there mm-hmm. because Farhan, I believe, takes what he has and makes the best of it. It's not a factor of if he had it, would we be doing right with him? I think so. It's what would we else would we be able to do with him in the organization? Right. So just before we uh, started recording and, and, you know, just we're, we're recording before the game against the Dodgers. Now, if I had the vision to see what would happen, I would tell you exactly, but most people are going to listen to this after the game is over anyways. So, um, before the game started, or before the lineups even came out, we noticed that Brandon Crawford was not in the lineup. So he hurts his hamstring in one of the games against the Cardinals. And then um, in his last at-bat, I believe yesterday, was it yesterday where he hurt the he got hurt and it's announced an oblique issue? Yeah, he was available off the bench yesterday and he took a, took a rep and yeah. So... Did- yeah, so, you know, unfortunate for us, it, you know, that that little injury thing uh is is happening again. But you know, the thing that's unfor- the thing that's even more unfortunate is he's literally the only player who I feel like we cannot replace, and that's a big one. And and I I f- almost feel like you know, the maybe maybe it's just us, you know, sort of being a little bit more laid back, but this is kind of a big deal to me, and he's their MVP, especially from the offensive side. Uh, Estrada is going to play, and you know he'll he'll get some big at bats. He's never well; he's played for the Yankees, so he's played in some big games. But this is the the big game for the Giants is this Dodgers series. They're going into LA. I think it's uh, you know it's unfortunate timing for the Giants, but man, like he's literally right now their best player, and he's going to miss uh, maybe a couple of weeks. Thankfully, they get Buster back. They get Kevin Gossman back. So that's, you know, two guys coming back, one guy going out. But I think, I don't know, I think I feel like Crawford's the one irreplaceable guy for them right now. He was their intangible. Uh, A lot of people will look at Posey and say, like, he's the veteran leadership, the defense behind uh, the plate. Everything that he does is uh, umbrellas out to the rest of the field. But Crawford's the guy that's been there every day, and he's the one that's been, like, on that side, whether it was Longoria or anybody else covering third base. He He's the guy that's been leading that middle infield and the rest of the infield, and then his hitting metrics have been uh, staggeringly over delivering on what everyone was expecting him to do. So you're absolutely right. There, there isn't anybody that is going to step up to the plate. There's going to be a lot of guys that they're going to mix and match and, and put in the lineup uh, Kaplan to, to fill that, but there isn't one guy. And I don't know who the squadron is that is going to fill it adequately and it makes me nervous but i i have to look at what they've done so far in the season and understand that i have to trust them because they have given themselves a lot of leeway for that trust so far yeah so we'll get to that series here in a second uh, but i want to go back a little bit because friday 
Saturday and Sunday, the Giants had a uh, a they, they restarted the second half. I mean, I, I hate it when they call it the second half because it's not actually the second half of the season. It's like the uh, what do you even call it? The it's, middle of five. Like, <laughs> <segments>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, and so. You know they take care of business and they beat up on uh, on Adam Wainwright a little bit on Friday and they win seven to two, but then Saturday they have a rough game. They can't score any runs. Uh, Desclafani takes the loss. They lose three to one. And then coming Sunday it's a one one game and then uh, they give up a run in the seventh and they can't do anything. So if you combine Saturday and Sunday, they get eleven hits in those two games. Um, and they had 10 hits in, in, in Friday's game. So whatever, I don't even know what the sc- what their record is against the Cardinals, but it can't be good. Like, I feel like the Cardinals have been outplaying them this season. I'm going to have to look that up while, uh, while you chat about this. Thankfully, it's the last time we'll be facing the Cardinals yeah. this year and Nolan Arenado and the whole deal. Uh it it was a hard series to just kind of grind through because you're you're sitting there waiting to see who's coming back, how, how's everybody doing, and then you, you got the rosters and you're just like you're a little nervous, but you you want to just think okay these guys got it and it it just wasn't their best performance and that's okay. Um, they just got to pick it up and understand that that what they were able to do is not was not enough then but they can take that learn from it and hopefully come back stronger for the Dodgers series uh today yeah to today and then three more games after this we got a four gamer in LA and the Giants have played the Dodgers very strong in San Francisco, but not very well in L.A., or not as well. So the, uh, it's not very easy to find the, the Cardinals stuff, by the way. Um, so nope. they lost two out of three at home. Um, was it at home? But before the All-Star break. So they 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 lost two out of three there. They lost two out of three here. I'm trying to figure out if they played in June or May, and I can't. I don't see that they did. So maybe I'm just like, maybe I just have, you know, Albert Pujols Cardinals on the brain or something because I don't think that they've played other than that. That was their that was their one interdivisional series. They actually have a really rough schedule coming up. Uh, Pittsburgh on a and then the Dodgers, and then the Astros. And then they get a little bit of a break with the Diamondbacks, but that's a good 10 to 12 games of really adversarial baseball that they've they've got a couple of series ahead of them that is going to test their mettle, if, it, if you will. Have you um, thought about going to any games before the end of the season? Navigating it. Um, there is the matter of making sure that my first wedding anniversary is addressed uh, and a trip <laughs> to Disneyland uh, over the beginning of August. And then once that's out of the way, uh, really going to look into it, given all the mitigating factors in the Bay Area. The goal is yes, but I but I just don't know. If the Giants are doing exceptionally well, it may be actually pretty difficult to get tickets later on in the season. But the answer is always hopefully yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going 
in sometime in August before my oldest goes back to school. So we're we're planning on on one game at least. Yeah, the wife and I were looking at it. We we had talked about it, but just everything going on in life is is kind of hard to navigate it. <laughs> All right, so Giants Dodgers. Uh, like I said, four gamer here. So I have the pitching matchups, uh, or at least I did have the pitching matchups. So this uh, this series, um, uh, this uh, game one is like you said, Gossman and Gonsolin. And game two, the Dodgers haven't announced their starter, so they have a TBD. Giants are uh, are putting Alex Wood out there. Uh, Wednesday, uh, game three is uh, Logan Webb against uh, Urias, who is twelve and three this year. Uh, and then on Thursday, it's De Sclafani and Bueller, which is a tremendous matchup. Like their numbers are are, are very similar. Um, when you look at like ERA and stuff and, and, you know, yes. Bueller, I think Bueller's, he, he's going to be one of the main, you know, give him another two years. And I think we're talking Cy Young candidate. That's how good. Oh, he 100%. Is. Yeah. The one that I think in that series that we have a really good shot of taking is the matchup against Urias. Uh, he's been up and down all season long. He's had a couple of matchups where you thought that he was going to come in and just clean up on everybody, and he's just his command and control. And so if we're going to be able to exploit that, that's going to be an advantage for us. We might be able to drive him from the game early. If you drive him from the game early, you might be able to wear out their bullpen and then make it difficult for them for the rest of the series. That would be a hope. Um, I hope we could find some other gaps in their pitching that we can take advantage of. Uh, the Giants are a scrappy team when it comes to hitting, and it's always all hands on deck when it comes to the Dodgers. All right, so do you have – now this is – you know, Giants fans, Brad and I talk about this, which is unfortunately, we even though we've won three World Series – we still think like this is 2002. Like that's our mentality. It's like, oh, something's bad's going to happen. And do you have a sense? Giants are up on the Dodgers one game. They're playing four in LA. Like you said, hard schedule coming up. They get the Dodgers back at home next week. Do you have a feeling on whether or not or how long you expect the Giants to be in first place? And that feeling can also be, yeah. They're going to be in first place in two weeks, too. They're going to blow the Dodgers out, and they're going to be there. But I think Giants fans historically are a little bit glass half full when it comes to this stuff. Like, I've been I've been just waiting for the moment when the Dodgers take over this division, and it hasn't happened yet, which is a testament to how well the Giants are playing. I think there's a real chance that uh, August is the best opportunity for the Giants to take the lead. They've got series against Arizona, Brewers, Colorado, the Mets, the A's, back of the Mets, and the Braves. So there are a few teams in there that you're concerned about. The Brewers are a, an outstanding team this year. Uh, you're always going to be concerned about the Oakland Athletics when it comes to the Bay Area rivalry. But the rest of that, that's a good 20 games that we can really take advantage of and uh, st- curry the momentum all the way to maintaining a first place lead. It is going to be a battle. And these gentlemen of the San Francisco Giants are going to be exhausted <laughs> at the end of the season. And the respect that we need to give them for gutting it out against two blockbuster teams like the Padres and the Dodgers, like just, just understand the sheer force of will to stay competitive. Uh, 
if I were circling a date in which I'd say, hey, that's, that's our shot right there to really take advantage, start going August 2nd, have be ready to go after grinding it through with the Astros and their pitching and their hitting and and doing it, you can you can understand that it's going to be a new era in the schedule and you can approach it completely differently from the every hard ending out kind of mentality. Do we know the latest on Evan Longoria? I was looking for it. It, it seems kind of in that evergreen. He's, he's getting better, but he's not quite there yet. Because I just noticed, and this cannot be good, they put him on the 60-day on Friday. And that's how they. And that's how Jay Jackson came up, uh, who was, I think he was the winner of, uh, of the game on Friday. So that means that he will not be able to leave the injured list for like another two or three weeks. And this all stems from his collision with Brandon Crawford uh, on this guy in like June, I think. And so he's like a shoulder sprain. Mm-hmm. And that is an, that, that, you know, when it, when we talk about the injuries, it's not only the injuries, it's like the longevity of some of these injuries because Tommy Listella, he's had, some issues with his rehab and and with his thumb and and stuff. And it's just like, you know, some of these teams, you know, a lot of the times it's like the teams that have the really good injury luck are the ones who are standing at the end. And that's another thing. If you're a glass half full person with this team, you're just like, man, these injuries just, you know, it's very similar to last year's 49ers team where they just could not get healthy at all. And you're just like, man, finally one guy gets healthy and boom, two guys get hurt. Thankfully the giants have been able to withstand a lot of this, but you know, Longoria still being out to August. It sounds like Crawford, same thing. So the whole left side of your infield is on the injured list. Listella, who is going to be, you know, starting second baseman, not, you know, trading off with Solano, maybe playing some first, maybe playing some third. He's still not back. Brandon Belt, you're starting first baseman. He's still out. So a lot of this stuff has to add up. And, you know, what they're doing right now with, how well they're playing in spite of the injuries is amazing. But man, at some point that's going to catch up. No, these are, these are players that are being tested as it were. Like these were never the players that the, <laughs> the front office were like, these are going to be our everyday guys. These are, these were, this was not the plan. They were always there in case they had to be part of the plan, but Longoria belt Crawford Posey, like you're talking about, the infield right there and them not being on the field at the same time. It's been a really long time. Yeah. So are we going to see them all on the field by the middle of August, beginning of September? I don't think so, but (laughs) I want to hope so. Um, with that said, I think we were incredibly lucky with Posey's injury, yes. and I hope that we can be lucky with Crawford's injury and that it is among a milder sprain and not long-term. So if you want to look at me as a glass-half-full gentleman, I am indeed a glass-half-full <laughs> gentleman because it could always be worse. Just reading that article about Posey and his uh, profile and just talking about his injury and coming back and the parallels, it's just unreal. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what is this? What is successful for the Giants in this trip to LA? Are we happy to come back two and two? 
um, are we are we tr- like not not that they're they're ever trying to to lose games or not win games, but I feel like if they can take two, like we'd all that that would almost take some of the sales out of the Dodgers. So I would hope that if they can win two out of four, and if you win three out of the four, then that's that's tough stuff. But uh, doing the whole, you know, one and three thing would be kind of rough because then you come out of that uh, in second place out of that series. So I'm hoping for, at the very least, a split. And I just, I really just want them to uh, to hit the baseball a little bit more. But then you go up against one of the better pitching staffs. At the same time, makes it a little tougher. Um, but what what do you consider? Like, what are you looking for? Obviously, outside of winning this series. Uh, I'm looking for a strong uh, appearance by our bullpen. I want to make sure that that pitching is uh, cultivated and maintained well. I I agree with you. I think two and two would be considered uh, a win in the series unofficially because it just sends the narrative and the tone that we can go toe-to-toe with LA Dodgers, this powerhouse team that everyone says is better than the Giants. And that's not necessarily true. Um the talent and the money may say, oh, hey, yeah, we we have an advantage. But the advantage when it comes to the field is all about gameplay. It's all about how, how you react to the ball when the ball's on the field and no amount of money is going to dictate that when it happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so, you know, I think it'll be a fun series. It's I always feel like the Dodgers are the true litmus test. The Padres to an extent too, but to me, the Dodgers are the true litmus test for the Giants. So, Looking for some positive things coming out of it. Dodgers are tough. Iron sharpens iron. You know, let's get some W's here. Okay, so uh, two more things that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. The, the, the Major League Baseball draft, it is not something that is as easily coverable as football and basketball, where these are giant events. College baseball it's a pretty popular sport, but it's not as popular as college football. Uh, and so I don't know how much or are you a draft nut when it comes to baseball draft? How do you follow this stuff? Uh, I usually just read the recaps of what Grant Brisby and whoever else is telling me, you know, this is how the Giants did. And I'm like, OK, great. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, it becomes very, very hard if you decide to commit to that level of baseball detail to be informed to the level that a lot of uh, your peers who follow that are. And I'm just not prepared for that level of depth. But looking at what they did and seeing some of the decisions, it sounds like they had a couple of choices that they were unexpected. And they had a shortstop option that fell to them that they ultimately decided not to go with, but they were discussing the hypotheticals of that. And I think it's really interesting with the baseball draft that you have that kind of financial uh, burden that you have to consider that if a person that is considered seventh to be taken isn't taken until the 14th pick, that is a substantial financial risk to the organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's very weird. And I don't understand it, but hopefully you can clear that up for me a little bit. Well, I mean, I think it has to do with the how much money you can spend on the players. Uh, so, for instance, uh, their first pick was uh, Bednar at Mississippi State. So mm-hmm. his leverage is he could base it like if you draft him, 
you say, okay, uh, I, guess, I think he's a junior. So it's like, well, I can go back into the draft uh, next year, have my senior year, and maybe be in the top 10 picks or whatever. And then his money would, would rise. Uh, but I, I think the Giants kind of took him uh, ahead of where he was supposed to go. So mm. his money, the money that they're paying him, even though they don't have to break the bank for him, it is more than he probably expected to make. So he's probably going to be a very easy signing. And they may not even have to pay as much as you would normally pay in that 14th slot, which allows them to do kind of what you said, which is they took a shot at this lefty uh, Mikulski, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, from Fordham, uh, or, or maybe it was the it was one of it was one of the um, the next pitchers. Maybe it was the the high school kid. It, they they just but essentially they drafted a ton of pitchers. Nine out of the first ten picks were pitchers. But there was one pick out of these these uh, these rounds where they actually drafted someone who was going to be a little bit harder to sign than uh, and actually would have some leverage to go back to school. But because mm. they save money on some of the picks with the guys that they took earlier, they kind of were able to pull some of that together and throw it at this guy who, you know, had some leverage. So I don't remember exactly which person that was. It, it could have been the Silva kid from um from from high school uh or uh or some of the other the because you know they, they drafted nine pick, t- pitchers in their first ten picks. But yeah, baseball the baseball draft and and the signings a little a little interesting because it's really about the leverage of the player in the slot that they are taken that has to do with how signable they are. My understanding was there was 8.1 million that they had to work with and that there was a senior in the later rounds and they had leverage because he wasn't going to be able to go back to school. This was his draft opportunity, which I thought was really interesting, which that that's why all the juniors go in because it gives them that one, two chance of like, Oh, Hey, I don't like where I'm going. I'm just going to go back to school. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. well, that's a, that's a weird educational priority, but okay, we're going to move on from that so seeing that it all of a sudden becomes a severe negotiating tool for mlb to get uh, a better a better deal for a pitcher off the draft because he's a senior is a really interesting uh business strategy for acquiring talent in the major league baseball i'm not sure how i feel about that but if that's how the talent is dictated to go to the thing. Like that's a bigger picture thing than I can wrap my head around for this exact moment. <laughs> so Brad and I bring up this game that we play on the computer often, uh, out of the park baseball. And I've been trying to get you to play this because mm-hmm. I because you are the same mentality as we are when it comes to stuff like this. And at some point, you, you'll pick it up and you won't be able to put it down. And I think that's why you're not picking it up yet. But mm. uh, so they. So they do the draft, right? So I'm playing as the 2009 Giants. So I pick up the Giants from that 2009 season, and then I create from there. And so in the 2010 draft, I my 2009 season was so poor that I actually had the fourth pick in the 2010 draft. The first four picks were – well, so the, I had the fourth pick. First three picks were Jacob deGrom. He went one. Yelich went two, Strasburg went three. So my two next opportunities were Noah Syndergaard, 
who I okay. think would have been a high school kid, and Chris Sale. I went Sale because he was a college guy, and he was going to be easier to sign. And I did that because, you know, flip your flip your coin about which player is, is better. They're both – they should – both should play well in this simulation. But what it does is it allowed me to then go get Aroldis Chapman in the second round – who some teams were staying away from because he was asking for a little bit more money. So that's kind of the strategy behind it. And so mm. I, 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 that's why I also like Out of the Park because it helps me understand the Rule 5 and it helps me understand, you know, how many times, how, how can Zadie like send guys up and back so many different times? And like, <laughs> why does it like, and so you learn stuff like that. But anyway, that, that yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you though. I'm not 100% like sure of of all the rules but it is it is that's what distinguishes i think the mlb draft from the basketball and the football drafts all right uh yeah i i always enjoy seeing the talent homegrown like watching these guys and hearing these names from day one all the way until they get the call to the to the big stage is actually one of the most gratifying things that you could uh, experience in baseball is talking about these top prospects, seeing the Joey Bark make their trip up after hearing them getting drafted. And that's a lot of fun. It, 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 it's weird on the passage of time, makes you feel a little older, but at the same time, you're invested in a team and you're invested in their longevity and you're invested in their optimism and potential and you should be invested in their growth of their players. Absolutely, 100%. All right, so as we uh, end this, I wanted to ask you, because we have the trade deadline coming, we won't be able to cover the actual trade deadline next week. Um, so I was just wondering if you, if the Giants could make an attempt... They don't even have to trade for this guy. But if there's a guy on your list, who would you want to see them at least attempt to kick the tires on to give a, an old Brian Sabian reference? I looked down a list of like 25 pitchers when I went through this. A couple of different websites here and there. The name that I came back to more than anything else was Kenta Maeda. Mm. Uh, he is the Minnesota Twins. Zadie uh, has familiarity with them with the Dodgers. Not necessarily going to be the most expensive. Um, and he's not he's not the sexiest name. You know, he's not a name that you're just like, ooh, Kenta Maeda. But at the same time, he will be a stabilizing force for that starting pitching, which is what you need. And you're not going to be paying a lot to get him the the worry that a lot of people have is that you're going to be trading two prospects three prospects mega deal yep. selling the farm going big now uh you don't need to do that so that's the that's the hope is it's something like that in my mind i was watching the all-star game and thought you know chris bryan on the giants wouldn't be the worst thing in the world uh but that's kind of a more like a homer personal like thing it Third base outfield combination that would that would be nice for. I mean, it, he fits. He fits what Zadie likes to do, right? You can mm -hmm. play him at third. You could play him in the outfield. I'm sure he could. I don't know if he has played any first base this year because you know they have Rizzo. But I imagine mm -hmm. 
that he could play first base in a pinch. So versatile. So yeah, like he's he's an athlete, and so the problem with the Chris Bryant is he is going to be on. Uh, uh, you know, he's just going to be there for this year, and then you got to figure out if if you want to sign him or not. Mm-hmm. So it's a rental in, in that sense. And how much money do you give for a rental? Now I know that these days the prices for rentals are not what they were because teams are much smarter about that kind of thing. So his value as a rental isn't as much as it would be if he had some years left on his contract at a, you know, a friendlier price. If the giants were to dabble in the Chris Bryant, uh, sweepstakes, what would you be willing to give? I I, I say absolutely 100% no on Ramos and, uh, Luciano. I think though, I think, you know, save for, uh, you know, a once in a lifetime player, you, you know, you, th- those guys are untouchable. But then you get to like Bart and the 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 six eleven pitcher Gel, I think is how you pronounce it, um, and guys like that who are kind of next in line, and maybe it's Matos and guys like that from San Jose. Could you be tempted to put one of those guys in a deal for someone like Bryant? I feel like if you could get ahead of everybody else on a deal like that, if the deal came to the Giants first and you had to bite early and maybe pay a little bit more, otherwise it gets into a real bidding war, I feel like you do it. Um, I would ideally like to see like a, a one prospect and maybe one of our closing pitchers, uh, like Rogers and McGee, and maybe we can do something like that. That would be great um i feel like that's a price that we could pay and then start looking elsewhere and just kind of do a pivot and pick up somebody elsewhere i don't know though like this is this is beyond like this is armchair monday morning quarterbacking from a guy that that loves baseball but may not be the smartest guy in the room Uh, but but you know here's the thing right the giants have a lot of money next year Mm -hmm. they're gonna have posey on a 22 million dollar team um uh team uh deal option a team option and then i think i think it's cueto and then it's like listella and web uh, and, okay and web now crawford is deaf they're gonna have to do something with crawford uh, if he if he comes back and, and plays the way he's been playing i don't think you can let that guy go after this season with that with that career year but if Bryant is a Zadie guy. Maybe they trade for him for this rental price with the idea of doing a deal. Now, Bryant's uh, is he um, his his agent? Um, who's his agent? Because I, you know, a lot of the a lot of the agents, uh, Chris Bryant agent. I feel like. I feel oh Scott Boris. So Scott Boris very rarely lets these guys not test the waters, right? Because he just gets mm-hmm. all these teams to negotiate against each other. So probably not, probably wouldn't happen in that way, just because of Boris being uh, Brian's agent. But if Brian was like, I want to play in, in in the Bay Area, or if he wants to play for a winning team and he sees like an opportunity to play for a championship contender, never like never underestimate the idea that teams want to play for winners Mm -hmm. and an opportunity for a ring uh, at any given time. Uh, So the Giants, whereas 
last year, the year before at these trade deadlines, they were not a team that people were like, they were in the conversation, but it wasn't, wasn't like the way that we're talking about Giancarlo Stanton mm-hmm. and Bryce Harper a couple of years ago, and maybe they're going to want to come and do that. No, I think the conversation is different now. I think, I think people are looking at them as seeing an organization that, that can win and can put it together and uh, from top to bottom has a winning culture. And that does change the perception. So test the water. Sure. But there's also going to be players that are going to want to play for San Francisco, which makes a different dynamic than it has been where, yeah, you want to play for them, but you're going to have to pay them a little bit more to play for, for the, for the giants. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the way if you are, I think, I think there's two things. If you're someone like Bryant you have flexibility because he is that talented. I think he'd play every day, whether it's in the outfield or at third base, he'd play every day for them. Some other players may not want to come here because they know how righty lefty the giants can be like Dickerson. He gets so many opportunities because he's supposed to be able to hit right-handed pitching and they're going to continue to give him those opportunities because this is just their philosophy. But if you are somebody, if you're a right-handed hitter and you're like, man, you know, I, I can only hit against left-handed, you know, I, I, Wilmer, you know, Wilmer looks great in, in, in certain situations, but you're like, oh, you know, Wilmer doesn't get to play every day and I want to play every day. That could be a turnoff, I think, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the cost of playing for the Giants is they put players in position to succeed. They set them up in the lineup and in the order and against pitchers that they know that they have a better than average shot of getting a hit against, but they also don't put them in the lineup when they're not. So, uh, you know, you live by the sword and you die by the sword. And the I, platoon, think, yeah, I think Yaz and Crawford are the only two guys who are pretty much playing every day. I think so too. They they were rotating pretty heavily with. Po- I mean, Posey uh, would, but they're they're being safe with his. With his yes, yes. Starts. They were saying that Posey would qualify for a batting title, but he's not going to have enough uh, batting reps this year for uh, for that. Which honestly, if they can keep him healthy, it's better to keep him keep him good to go all the way through October than than burn him out and just keep him sputtering at the end because that man. That man is a physical miracle right now. Keep him healthy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So we didn't have a player of the week this week because there was only three games. uh, And, you know, when we come back again next week, we're going to be dark. But the following week, Brad will come back and we'll we'll do the player of the week again. Can we give uh, honorary players of the week to anyone who made it to the Ultra game? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we did that. uh, We showed the the, showed the graphic uh, on uh, one of the previous shows. There you go. There were our guys. Crawford got to play. Posey and Gossman had started the the game right before the All Star uh, All Star game, so he didn't get to play. But uh, and, and Posey was hurt. So yeah, you know they they collectively. There's your guys. There's your players of the week right there. The, the your All Stars for the Giants. Good looking guys. Good looking players. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, so really appreciate you coming on and uh, hanging out. I really like it when you jump in our Facebook group and you post some news and stuff about what's going on. Um, so go ahead and uh, give out your Twitter handle if people want to follow you. Hey, everybody, you can find me at Jer Finestone, uh, F-I-N-E-S-T-O-N-E. Very simple. I tweet very simple things. I'm not that <laughs> fancy. But at the same time, I won't waste your time. Take a follow. 
Have a great time. Go Giants. Thanks for having me on, Garrett. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, So for Jeremy, I'm Double G. Next show, Brad will be back. But again, we will be dark one week. See you when we see you. Peace out.